0: You're listening to a DM podcast.
1: We don't talk about what the other person has researched, which is really awesome because I'll go, "Okay, cool, you ready? And he'll be like, yeah, I'm ready. So it's actually a bit of a there's a bit of a game that goes on between us, like a bit of back and forth and a bit of shock horror.
0: G'day and welcome to Behind the Podcast with Jules and Stocks. I'm Jules and today Stocks and I went behind the podcast with Julia Wheeler from the Dirt Down Under podcast.
2: Yes. Now, the Dirt Down Under is a podcast on the DM Podcast Network and it's a bit of an interesting story about how it came over or how we met and how we introduced and it very much involves you, Jules. That's right. Right.
0: So, uh, this is probably my first foray into the kind of world of podcasting where you're scouting talent on the streets literally and inviting them to be a part of the network so I was having a couple of uh, post baby beers with some friends of mine um, over in their garage obviously before lockdown happened and we were chatting away and Julia actually lives next door to my mate so she came over and started having a chat as well then we started talking about you know podcasting what she does in her world as a free diver and conservationist and all of that it's a very interesting life and so I thought well this is probably a very good person for stocks to be talking to and
2: made the introduction. Yeah, great text message from you. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a bit of random, just rent someone on one the street. Uh, yeah, but uh, you okay for putting them in touch?
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it's one of those things, isn't it, where you just sort of like, you speak to people all the time. And I think podcasting now is probably, you know, that we should start this business or whatever. It's that we should start this podcast. And that conversation can happen a lot when people have had a few drinks or, or whatever, and they find out that you're doing podcasting. But I think Jules is a very motivated person and all of the work she does, she did not waste any time in making sure that those connections were happening. So it was it was good the speed with which it happened, it was minimal input from me, which is what I like. But yeah, we got the results in the end.
2: Podcast matchmaking at its finest. And that's right. A quintessential Bondi story. <laughs> Sweet. So, how, how's everything going with you? Your podcast consumption is down due to no commuting and fatherhood?
0: It is, yeah. The, the, the lack of commute certainly takes out a bit of time that you're able to listen to those things and, and as does, you know, the baby. But... There are jobs to be done around the house and and lots of things that we need to do, so it's the perfect accompaniment when that does happen. Um, I've got myself a little cooking time for Linz and myself at the end of the day, so it's a good little bit of time to unwind and listen to a podcast and in some instances if I've got a couple that I need to go through we're moving up to the you know 1.2 speed at a minimum to the 1.8 depending on how quickly I need to get through something so I'm finding ways to consume but it certainly
2: it certainly takes time interesting yeah so dinner has become the new commute dinner prep has become the new commute the mise en place (laughs) that's right yeah
0: so I'm doing everything that I need to do in that bit of time how about you you keeping up with them
2: yeah I have I actually got into a few audiobooks as well just getting a little tapped out on podcasts um, we have been focusing more on women's content in the direction our network is moving so I've been consuming a lot more female first content which has been fun terrific a couple of interesting additions coming to our network shortly we have one culture club and selfish sesh which are both sort of targeting millennial females audiences so that's been really fun and quite insightful But look, I've really been getting into the English Premier League The crowds, it's something that is highly aspirational And I'm very jealous of the life they're living over there Sort of 45,000 screaming people in a stadium No masks, seems pretty cool um, so I went on a bit of a deep dive I love Liverpool Football Club And there's a lady, Melissa Reddy Who has written a book about Liverpool's rise, I guess And I was listening to that as an audiobook It's really cool i followed her for a while There's a big, iconic Liverpool podcast called The Anfield Rap Which is really good Like if you want to go down and build a niche audience around something Check out The Anfield Rap and what those guys have managed to do And she was a contributor for them uh, South African Strong accent Uh, Always always thought she was Going to struggle a little bit I just felt like Look Women in sports media Are always You know Running uphill And she was really Running uphill With sort of Liverpool Northern English Content With a big Sapphire accent And then after a while I learned she's like A very pretty girl Of of, uh, South Asian descent And so really deck stacked against her in terms of becoming a, a really successful football pundit which she has managed to do and she's written an incredible book and her career is thriving and maximum respect to her so they had Melissa Reddy and look it's a great audiobook. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and it was just a sort of little bit of I don't know the little oh, respite yeah the lighthouse and the storm are needed um, so, so are we going to be changing this to behind the audiobook? no <laughs> no imagine that shit yeah because I think I'm going (laughs) to need the triple time if that's the case (laughs) but no that was good fun
0: very good listen Yeah, well, it was a great chat today. I think Julia's managed to pack a hell of a lot into her life in a short amount of time. And she's absolutely brimming and spilling with information that she wants to get out there. So I think you're going to enjoy this one. Stocks, what do you think? Oh, man.
2: Like, just inspirational. Just a different way to live your life, isn't it? I mean, I think I've had a fairly exciting life, but nothing compared to how she lives. And I think as I've got a bit older, I've got a bit more conservative. And you go, gee, man, like... Just the ability to just make decisions on the fly. It's uh, very inspirational. Absolutely.
0: Well, hey, let's not waste any more time. Let's get straight into it. Jules, why don't you tell us about the show?
1: The Dirt Down Under is a conservation based podcast, but it's something that has a little bit more fun and it's it's more of a light-hearted approach to the doom and gloom of the end of the world, so to speak. So we are going through our sixth mass extinction and there is so much wrong with the world that we're told about on a daily basis. And I think that a lot of people just switch off from that. I don't know about you guys, but I don't like to watch the news. I don't like to see the mainstream media. I don't like to hear that, you know, if you get this vaccine you're going to die or if you don't get it, you're going to Die anyway. So, um, yeah, it's just it was something that I felt like. Okay, I've been on the forefront of conservation for a really long time, and I've seen some really really dark days, and I've seen a lot of things in the field, like in Africa, in South America, in Indonesia, globally, um, especially you know in the Amazon jungle, that have just torn me apart, like really really upset me, really affected me, and in the ocean as well. And I guess Paul de Gelder has that same experience on the level of interaction that we have with animals, marine encounter experiences, things like that, that have made us very fully aware of what's happening on the planet. And I mean, Paul, he had, you know, he was bitten by a shark and then he's gone and become this incredible ambassador for the oceans, which, you know, is so brave and, and a beautiful story in itself. So when Paul and I reconnected um, after seven years of, of not really having much to do with each other, initially I said, let's just do a, a podcast on Seaspiracy because he was on Seaspiracy. And then that kind of evolved into this, this podcast about basically was a platform that we created where we could be very lighthearted about the doom and gloom but also educational and engaging and you know just some of the stuff that we learn ourselves is the stuff that we'd want to learn in general. So it's a it's a journey of two people in the conservation space who came together and still have so many questions for all of these experts because when we are in the field I or myself and Paul are the conduits so we're the people that bring the information to the rest of the world and in doing that we always take on all those little bits and pieces of of fascinating information that we like to relay so the dirt down under is just that but Podcast.
0: Yeah, it's funny. I mean you touched on the news before and I think it's definitely something that we're all going through a bit of a bit of news fatigue, particularly over yeah. the last couple of years. But I think there's also a lot of the times when it comes to anything that's green that is conservation led or anything like that, it, it can sometimes take a bit of a back seat based on, you know, certain agendas of of news channels or whatever they might have or whatever they're trying to really promote. So it's been a really different kind of podcast to listen to and get those kind of entertaining and inspir- inspirational insights about, you know, what's going on out there in the world of conservation.
1: Yeah. I mean I can understand why people don't want to hear about the bad news. But there is hope and light within that bad news too and that's something that we need to really inject into society, especially because it affects all of us. And I think we all have the ability to make small changes in our lives to be better for the planet and also to reconnect to the natural world. Because, you know, the majority of us live in concrete jungles and we don't have much insight into the world around us. So we want to bring light. (laughs) We want to bring attention to the people in the field who are making these changes and staying on top of it. So...
0: Beautiful. Yeah. I think it'd be great to talk about your co-host a little bit because I mean you've talked, yeah. you know, just now about the changes that people can make and, and you know, getting yeah. this on people's agendas and things. And yeah. for those of you who haven't listened to this show or don't know Paul's story as yeah. you mentioned before, he was attacked by attacked by a shark. he was bitten by a shark, he lost his leg and he lost his his hand and yeah. he's gone to become you know a real champion and advocate for sharks and for all marine life in general. but do you want to tell us a bit about how you guys first met and and yeah you know I mean yeah, it's because sure. it's an amazing story His particularly and then yeah the two of you
1: yeah, um so about seven years ago i was I became friends with a a girl named Rachel through the Perfect World Foundation which is a Swiss based foundation and Rachel moved to Australia and she was dating this guy called Paul de Gelder, and I hadn't really heard of Paul before and at that time she was going through a breakup with him. So I kind of came into her life when she was saying, oh, you know, I'm breaking up with Paul. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I remember going to Mossman where Rachel and Paul were living and they they were separating. And Rachel said, oh yeah, you know, you're about to meet Paul. He's a little bit grumpy. And I was like, all right, no worries. So I went into the lounge room and I just remember seeing him standing there. You know, he had his, his, robotic parts on and a big black hat and just a black shirt and he had this huge dog called Otis who is almost the same size as a Great Dane and I just looked at him and I was like hey (laughs) and he was just like just grumbled at me Um, he did not want me in the house at all and he wanted nothing to do with anything going on around him so I kind of exited stage left. I was like, "Cool, great to meet you," you know, because I was actually
2: and thought I'd love to do a podcast with him sometime. Yeah, was that when you pitched a podcast to him at that moment? You're the guy. <laughs> yeah, I
1: was like, I was like, "Thank, yeah, thanks, bro. What a legend. Let's let's work together." But that was seven years ago. So that's when I met him. So he was super grumpy because him and Rachel were breaking up, and you know, I was friends with Rachel, and then Rachel and I, I went overseas and we kind of lost contact. And then I think she's back in Delaware now. Um, she was Miss Delaware, so she was a beauty queen and she's re- returned back to America. But... Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I was quite intimidated when I met Paul because he was A, really scary and (laughs) B, really just standoffish. And then obviously, like, the way he's built, like, he's a big man and he's, you know, super attractive and he's got, like, amazing eyes and an amazing presence and he kind of commands this, you know... I mean, he was in the military for a really long time and, um, you know, he was a... Yeah, I mean... It's just he's, he was he was terrifying. Um, so I was really ha- I was really happy to leave actually. And I thought this guy fought off a shark like that's amazing. And I had so many things I wanted to talk to him about. And I wanted to be like, oh, you know, I'm in the field in conservation because at that time I was spending a lot of time in Africa um, on the front lines of anti poaching. And I just thought this guy is so cool. But I just couldn't wait to get out of there when I met him. Um.
2: <laughs> it's such an interesting lens through way to meet someone, and who end up being this great friend with and doing all this media with yeah but you're meeting him at one of the worst times a breakup is often people brings out the worst in everyone so
1: yeah you know. and he was a he was really grumpy and he does still get grumpy sometimes um like we all do and i'm just like okay <laughs> what, can, <laughs> what can i do yeah. <laughs> do you want a coffee do you want a muffin <laughs> like then rachel and i kind of we this is seven years ago so she was back in america i was in africa whatever And then we stayed in contact a little bit on Instagram and Paul was doing all the Shark Week stuff. And he's like Discovery's main man now for Shark Week. And he swims with sharks like he hand feeds um, bull sharks. And he he's, he's just incredible. Like he's an incredible waterman. He's an incredibly versatile human being. And he is so funny. But I didn't know that side of him when I first met him obviously I got the full frontal grumpy side (laughs) Um, but what happened was we stayed in touch over social media I kept working the field that I was working in he was doing his thing and then a mutual friend of um, Paul and mine uh, Drew he said hey guys like you've got to go to this dinner and I was like oh I don't really want to leave Byron I can't really be bothered like going to Sydney and I'm happy here and and then someone told me that Paul de Gelder was going. I was like, okay, cool. Bang. I'm going to Sydney. I'm going to go reconnect with Paul de Gelder. This is going to be great. I'm going to eat this food for Flav, the restaurant. I mean, it was a private seating. There were six people. So six of us in total. And I turned up, it was all happening. And then Paul came in and we just hugged. I was like, oh my God, it's so good to see you. Like, I was just so excited to see him again. And um then he sat we sat at opposite ends of the table and he all night we just we held the majority of the conversation we bounced together we just it was just a natural flow he ate the food on my plate that i couldn't finish eating like we <laughs> we just had like you know like there was a lot of kind of back and forth banter between us um immediately and then that was that was awesome i was like this is so sick like what a legend And then I said to him, I think a couple of days later, I caught up with him at M Deli and Bondi and I said, hey, um, you're here. You live in America. He, He was in Sydney for three months and I got him in that last six week period that he was here. So I said, you're here. I'm bored. I'm waiting for my four films to come out. Do you want to... Can I just interview you about Seaspiracy? Because it's super uh, controversial. There's a lot of questions about it, especially the 2048 theories um, with Boris Worm and Ray Hilborn. And there's a lot of things I want to address, but do you want to do like a three-parter or something? And he was like, yeah, sure, like 100%. And then I had the chef, Scotty um, Finley, who is one of the co-founders of Flav, which is the restaurant um, you dinner, a private it. dinner we went to. Yeah. Right. So I said to Scotty, like a few days later, I said, Oh yeah, it was really good to connect with Paul. Good to connect with you. I'm going to do this podcast with Paul. And, and I'm like, yeah, I need a podcast studio. I just need like someone with microphones. And he goes, Oh, okay. Well just hit up Bondi radio. And I was like, Oh, okay. And he goes, they've got an amazing podcast set up. And I was like, sweet. So he gave me the owner's number, I called them. Next day I went in and then I there was this epic podcast studio and I thought, This is sick. And then I spoke to the guys at Bondi Radio and I said, Oh yeah, you know, what's the cost of an eleven part series? And they were they were like, Uh, oh, this, whatever. And then I kind of thought, Oh, this yeah, this is like this is getting pretty interesting and sounds kinda of fun. So I went back to Paul and I was like, Hey, do you wanna do a show called The Dirt Down Under? And he was like, sure. And I said, let's, let's make it like, let's talk about conservation and stuff. And he was like, okay. And then the next day I wrote up the whole idea. And yeah, the dirt down under came to me in a dream. I just woke up and I was like, it's going to be called the dirt down under because it's like, you know, the dirt down under, down under Australia, down under water, down under, down under. Works it's dirty. <laughs> <Works> <laughs> Everything's level. dirty underneath. So. Yeah. And that kind of just rolled off my tongue. And he was like sick, great. Done, do it. And then I had to bounce him because he was working with Rob Irwin and the, the Irwins, and he was kind of in the Neptunes, like diving with great white sharks. And in between his filming for Discovery Networks, I was just hustling, like contacting. All of the people that I knew who I specifically wanted on the show and who I thought could be relevant or relate to certain topics, like Ocean Ramsey. She's a really good friend of mine. We made a film together a few years ago in South Africa. So, Ocean and One are really close. And I just, you know, it took me two weeks to get Ocean on the phone because she literally is like lives underwater. So then I like hit up One and then he tells her. And, you know, so getting Ocean was probably one of the hardest things, but it also wasn't. Um, But as soon as I had her locked in, then I thought Jimmy Halfcut because the Daintree rainforest, which is the most, you know, it's the oldest forest in in the world. We have it right here in our back garden. It is going through hell. It coexists with the Great Barrier Reef, and we are losing that rainforest at just an alarming rate. Also, bringing in the dirt of how much trouble like people were getting in by being conservationists, and how they were just fighting this. And I wanted to fight that stigma and go, no, look this is their backing, this is why they do these things, this is what they're doing in the field and why it's relevant and why it's important so, yeah, anyway, and then Alexey Molchanov, we've still got him coming up, he's the world's deepest freediver, so I've
2: heard the Alexey one, just, yeah, quietly that, I love it, that's brilliant, look, we've talked about Paul, I guess, also love to yeah. talk a bit about you, you're yeah. obviously very inspirational, the inspiration comes through in the podcast oh, uh, you. and you're very much a water person we'd love to just run us through, I guess, a little bit of your story in the water and where you're inspiration comes from.
1: Yeah, I guess I was waterborne. Like my parents just threw me in the ocean when I was baby and that was it. <laughs> um, I, I grew up in West Australia, so I was so lucky. I had a father who really just wanted to take me outdoors all the time and like, forcefully as well. So I didn't really have a choice. I was seven years old and I was abseiling front ways down the side of a cliff in the Kimberley, or I was on the top top of the highest fire lookout in Australia, the highest natural fire lookout in Australia, which is the bicentennial tree in Pemberton. Um, And then I just was taught to have no fear and to kind of grab the bull by the horns and to, you know, get into it. So we traveled a lot as kids and Every morning, Dad would wake me up, and we would go to City Beach, um, which is my was my local beach. And Dad used to swim out into the surf and I wanted to be with him but the waves were so big and I got dumped that many times you know they're really big dumpers in WA like it's proper ocean so this place was just wild and I thought okay how am I going to get to my dad so I gradually learnt to crawl on the bottom of the ocean floor with my eyes open and look at the waves kind of rolling over my head and yeah I just loved it so that's that was the progression with the water. Then at school, I was a competitive swimmer. I was trained by an ex-Olympian. Um, I swam to Rottnest Island a couple of times. Um, just everything was water-based. I was really, really lucky.
2: And how did you get into the freediving?
1: The freediving came along, so naturally holding my breath when I was little, holding my breath in the bath, doing the stuff with my dad. Um, Also at swim school, I always used to hold my breath and just swim away, which freaked freaked everyone out. I was 23, I got accepted into Bond University and I was going to do psych. And three days before I finished my degree, so I'd moved to Sydney and I travelled a bit, based in Sydney for four years, studied Then my friend said to me, because I was really like, is this really life? You know, I'm kind of 22, 23 and I'm a bit bored and I don't know if I want to do another degree again. And he said to me, my friend Giles, he said, Julia, pack up your apartment, sell all your stuff and get a one way ticket somewhere. So that's exactly what I did. So I was three days away from enrolling first psychology and I sold everything in my apartment and I I took like a, a suitcase and I went to Thailand and I went and lived in Koh Tao and I just lived the dream and I was scuba diving so I did my dive master but I didn't really like all the breathing apparatus and all the bubbles and like it was a bit weird so but I did that anyway I worked in Thailand for a little bit um, and then one day um, I saw these massive fins like huge fins, like massive, massive fins, and I was like, "What are those?" And I spoke to the, the woman who was carrying them, and her name was Monica, and I and she said, "Oh, they're they're freediving fins." And I was like, "Yeah, they're cool. I want a pair of those." She said, "Well, why don't you do a freediving course?" So I did. I did two. I did my level one and level two. And then after that, I think I just can, that was kind of it. I just went. And then 2015 and 16, I went to Bali to photograph the one breath jamboree, which is a big, was a big free diving meet um, in Tulan Ben. For those two years, I was just a photographer, the underwater photographer, because I've been a photographer for 20 years. Well, actually, I'm not that old. Hang on. <laughs> 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 How long have I been a photographer? It's actually my birthday tomorrow. So I'm like, hang hey <laughs> on a second. Um, I've been a professional photographer for 10 years, 2017 came along I went through a breakup I was sad I was dating a freediver at the time um, who I really really loved and I just was like devastated I was like bottom of the ocean really 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 like heartbroken and sad and I was like
0: in the ocean no one can see your tears
1: Exactly. I, yeah, a hundred percent. And I literally <laughs> just wanted to. I just wanted to dive. And I said to him, "Hey, like, I'm going to go to Bali because we would go together." And I was like, I was, "I'm going to go to Bali, um, and I'm going to photograph the Australian Depth Nationals." And he was like, "Okay, well, you go because I'm not going to go." And I was like, "No, no, 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 you go." Anyway, my mum flew over from Perth. She actually physically bought me a ticket and made me go to Bali. So that was awesome. I went to Bali getting ready to photograph the competition. And two days before the event, the head of the um, of Apnea Bali, Julia, she came over to me and said, hey, look, we're short on competitors. You're going to need to compete. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm a 20 meter diver at this point And I hadn't gone past 20, 22 meters. And she's like, yeah, we need you to compete. And I was like, okay. You're kidding. (laughs) No. So I had two days to prepare for the Australian Freediving Championships. So I did four training sessions. Anyway, I I came third.
2: Wow. Um, (gasps) How deep did you go?
1: Um, I think like 30 metres, 35 metres. So Ah. I knocked up about eight extra metres or something like that.
2: That's incredible. Look, I mean, you're the type of person I think a lot of people want to be in terms of from what we're talking about, there seems to be so many instances in your life where you opportunity comes, something happens, and instead of just ignoring it and moving on, you listen to it, seem to react to it, and actually grab those opportunities. It seems like that's a story you with have this. It's a story you with your podcast. <laughs> it's oh, look, it's so inspirational to us drones sitting here.
1: No, <laughs> you guys, come on! No, no, no. Like honestly, I just, I think like you can feel it, and I. I just couldn't believe it. And I was still obviously heartbroken. And that's the thing. Like, everybody thinks we have to live in this perfect world. And it's, I'm sorry, but that's not life. Like, yeah, you can live in your comfort zones all you want, but freediving as well is about stepping outside your comfort zone and working and and actually tapping into that built-in intuition that you have where your body and your mind connect. Like the the mammalian dive reflex, bradycardia, there's so many things our body does when we change environments, and I think that's what became addictive for me with freediving because... I changed my environment and I started to problem solve with the physical challenges that I was facing that were stopping me from getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And a lot of those come from your mentality. So freediving taught me to become stronger in that mentality and take the direction that I wanted to go and how to take those steps and to, to trust myself. Because... In freediving, you're in charge of your immortality. So it's like, oh my God, I could die right now. But obviously I don't think that ever when I'm freediving, I think this is so sick. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a fish. But yeah, so that it became addictive. And if something feels really good, you kind of go with it and you work out the rest later. Like, where can I get the money to support this? And it kind of comes to you if you just stay true to what you want and the direction you want to go. I've always felt like I'll end up where I need to be. And sometimes it's not the place that I thought I would, but I'm still grateful that I could just had it in myself to go, yeah, like, let's go. Like, let's just give it a shot. You see an opportunity. But also, did you, why is that opportunity here? Like, where did it come from?
2: Yes, like, absolutely.
1: It's, that's it's, important.
2: It, advice to live by.
0: Had you always uh, sort of thought about a career in media? Is this another one that you've sort of fallen into by accident or, or not, you know, by mm. accident, by recognising the sort of signs, I guess?
1: So when I was seven years old, I told my mum I was going to change the world. I was like, I'm going to change the world. And she was like, okay, Cool. Um, and she's like, how are you going to do that? And I said, oh, I'm going to talk to everyone. And I just, yeah, like now, like you can't really get me to shut up sometimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> which i totally own to be honest. But I, I was like obsessed with filming stuff. And like dad had a camera, he had like a Canon and I'd take it and change all the settings and really annoy the crap out of him doing that. And then he had a video camera like a Sony, and I would be in the bush just filming the most horrific shit you've ever seen. It was like Blair Witch Project, you know? And I would come home, I would put it on the television, and I'd just be like, oh my God, wow, that's amazing. Like, I can't believe I just filmed that, and now it's on the television, and I'd be like, really pressed up against the TV and my mum would just be like, wow, there's something seriously wrong with my child. Um, and, yeah, I just had this firing, firing mind, like, all the time of, of wanting to talk to people. So mum bought me a microphone and a, a radio, like, a cassette tape thing and I would interview my sister, I would interview the neighbours, I would interview my cat, like, <laughs> anyone I could kind of talk to I would just sh- like talk to them and want to know more. I knew that I wanted to do, you know, the media, It's like somehow I knew that I wanted to create and I knew I wanted to make films like David Attenborough and I knew. So yes. I think there
0: is obviously a few through lines there with, with how everything comes together for you and, you know, from early days of your dad teaching you to, to grab the bull by the horns and just kind of really go for it. And that's obviously evident with the, with the Dirt Down Under show and, and the way that you've pulled that together and on a short time and a kind of you know bootstrapping attitude you interview a bunch of people throughout the series so far talk to me about uh how you get those people involved you know is there a hit list of people that you want to speak to along the way you said some people are old friends and colleagues and things like that do you sort of map out you know the kind of topics that you want to touch on as well because they do cover the whole gamut of sustainability taking care of the planet basically
1: yeah, I think being in the field for a long time and just naturally having this love and this beautiful connection with people all over the world that I'm so incredibly grateful for. The list of people kind of naturally came up. I mean, I just knew everyone like Paul knew a couple of them, too. It, immediately, everybody said yes, that I had another 30 people lined up, but I could only do 11 episodes because I just didn't have the time. I didn't sleep for like three weeks. Like I was producing, I was researching, I was structuring and pulling everything together. I don't know. And now we have a list for season two, potentially like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mike Tyson. We've definitely got, I think we've got Ronda Rousey. There's so many people who all have something to say about conservation or they've all been involved in something like two Aussies in America heating up Americans who are famous to talk about conservation and bring attention to that and that's what I love about the dirt down under is that you can put anyone on there but you can also put big names on there and those big names can bring light to the issues that need to be spoken about which is what Paul and I are here to do yep get to hang out with friends get to make new friends get to connect for a good reason and um, yeah the list is long there's probably like having that
0: celebrity input is great because I think one thing you do notice with the conservation is you know the extremes that people have to go to 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 get messages out sometimes and you know you Mm. you talked about speaking to to James Stanton you know Cook aka Jimmy Halfcut who literally goes around with half a beard (laughs) trying to promote these kind of messages I mean it's it's great having that platform where you can really get that message out
1: like the more celebrities that we bring in and get involved that will just help lift the other episodes with the other people I mean but the thing is there's a bit of pressure as well because if people don't like listening to Paul and I then we're not really doing what we want to do which is be those conduits and make people listen to these topics yeah the main focus of every episode is that person that we bring in in a way it's about us asking them questions during the interviews I'm always making sure I'm balancing out like you know if Paul will go off on tangents and then I'll have to reel it back in and be a bit more serious. And it's a really interesting dynamic and I really think it could be massive. Like I'd like to take, visually take it somewhere as well. So we don't just have the podcast. We have some, like, so people can watch it, like Joe Rogan. I think by watching people... You can absorb a lot more and you're a lot more engaged.
0: Tell me a little bit about the process because, you know, it all came together quite quickly. And I just assumed that you and Paul uh, DeGelder have been talking about this for years, if not months or whatever. No. You know, the first episode you are literally interviewing him. So that makes a little bit more sense now. It's just catching up on what the hell this guy's been up to for the past seven years when you're interviewing people and you're both having that back and forth with your guest and and with each other, you know, how much do you meet up beforehand and write out some key points and do your research together? Or do you just kind of come equipped with your own angles and points of view?
1: So I do the majority of the research and angle every episode. So I decide, okay, this is what we're going to focus on. I don't know, I hone in. So With Ocean Ramsey, she's a marine encounter expert with sharks. She's been condemned for touching sharks. She has swam with the greatest, biggest great white shark ever seen in history, three of them. Um, So it was like, okay, I've got all these points of this person. What can I hone in on here? And then I do research. So I do about three to four days of research and then I structure the the flow. Like, okay, let's, these these are the, key, the five key points of what we want to cover. This is the results, some of the results we want, like to make sure we hit because they're really interesting and really important. And what do I need to bring out of that person? Like, what are the things that are going to really kind of open the conversation to other topics that we can touch on so it's a real like strategic process that I go through with each person thinking about making sure we all stay engaged that's just writing right that's just prep it's important but it's not that important like I had to do a lot more prep for Kate Plastic Free Mermaid there was still a lot of stuff in there that was needed the research like plastics and infertility you know plastics Mm. is shrinking testicles and stuff like that like that's serious shit so with that interview specifically so just i'll use that as an example so i do my research i work with my researcher for three to four days prior i go into studio paul turns up an hour sometimes half an hour before and he'll just start googling stuff and he'll write notes like he'll just kind of do a little tiny bit of research which is really good because he keeps it light I mean, he's so knowledgeable anyway of so much stuff. We don't talk about what the other person has researched, Mm. which is really awesome because I'll go, okay, cool, you ready? And he'll be like, yeah, I'm ready. So it's actually a bit of a, there's a bit of a game that goes on between us, like a bit of back and forth and a bit of shock horror. So I didn't really brief him on Kate, like the plastic free stuff. And he was mortified.
2: Oh, like it really comes across. You guys have so much fun with it, and it's yeah, really an authentic do. reaction. Yeah. Yeah. As he's finding out that his testicles and dick are going to shrink because yeah. all the plastic yeah, is consuming. Yeah, baby
1: divers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even even with Ali Tabrizzi, like he really led that interview, and I was kind of the one in the background playing the bad cop. When we come into studio, he'll pull stuff out that I'm like absolutely like it's so funny, or I'm so shocked by it. We read each other like we can feel each other and read each other, and we we know now. And it took us probably two to three interviews before we really, 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 like, connected. And towards the last five, it was just so easy. And we just bounce and we we, we, we really keep a flow going. And we know if one person needs backup or help with something or they, they just don't want to talk anymore. <laughs> like, so... Yeah, that's kind of how it works, I guess.
0: It's a great dynamic and the chemistry is absolutely there and you guys have that as well with your guests. It's really engaging conversations and it's great to kind of listen along. Thank you. Are there... Any podcasts that you listen to and obviously, you know, time, freedom <laughs> to do these sorts of things may, might be a bit of a luxury you don't always have. But are there any podcasts you listen to that you want to talk to us about or recommend or anything you've got coming up that you want to talk about?
1: I heard the there's those two Kiwi girls that have a podcast called The Good Bitches and I really want to like get into that because it sounds pretty funny. And yeah, I'd even love to like hit them up. And get on get on their podcast, so we, yeah, we can make that happen. Yeah, that'd be cool, and it's a cool name, The Good Bitches. It's kind of like, really, are you guys, really good. Like, what, are talking, <laughs> what are you What are you talking about <laughs> over there? So yeah. No, otherwise, I've got my films coming out. I've got four films coming out. Can't say too much about that yet, but that's getting really, 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 really close, and I'm really excited about that. So I guess I'm just going to keep just following this weird path I'm on Um, (laughs) and yeah like that's all I can do really I get Um, the
2: feeling you're going to be in our lives a bit more Julia
1: (laughs) I would love to be in your lives more that would be really fun but yeah like I would love to do the Dirt Down Under 2 with you guys
0: or watch this space we also just like to get a bit of final advice and usually it's about starting a podcast or anything but given you know your work in conservation any advice for people who want to do their little bit to save the planet what are some easy things they can do
1: easy things i think it's just being really mindful of your your footprint and going you know just small decisions small things like even recycling at home reducing your plastic use don't buy plastic water bottles easy things like i have a water bottle that i carry around religiously all the time now um i don't really go anywhere without it it's a part of my life also being mindful like how plastic can harm our bodies you know educate yourself have a look around i think it's really important for people to connect to the natural world as much as they can because once you connect to national parks or the ocean you start to see the issues and things that that live there that you as a human being can actually reduce and 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 help avoid don't get overwhelmed (laughs) um, don't think you're a bad person like if you do get a plastic water bottle one day like I don't know. I I don't want to be that person that tells everyone that they're bad for doing stuff. I think we're all humans. We're all trying to do the best that we can. And if people can be a little bit more mindful of that and, and take a step outside and go into the water and go to a national park or, have a look at organizations that need help, like, like the half cut, like Jimmy half cut. look at how you can buy back the Daintree rainforest for like, com- it's, it's completely tax deductible. Like two, $2.50 buys like one meter square of the, the oldest rainforest in the world and protects it for life. So there's, I think it'd be good for people to look for avenues that are really uplifting as well and, and empower them because we have this amazing ability as individuals to make, make change. and, We can't separate ourselves from nature because we're a part of that. So it's just be more mindful, get involved in your local organizations. And when I say that, like go on Instagram, there's loads of them. Connect with good people who are doing good things because everybody needs support. We're all in this together.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, you know, talking about empowering people, you're a very empowered person yourself and very inspirational. And we're amazed at how much you've been able to get through and and achieve. And especially, thanks very much for taking
1: time for us. No worries. You guys are awesome. It was really awesome to chat.